Alright, welcome to the brand new Music Conversation podcast right behind us. I'm your host Brandon Daniel of the Seattle band Beatty and the Sheiks. Right behind us is a conversation between two recording artists, the kind of conversations musicians regularly have backstage in the green room or on the curb outside of show. This is loose talk about creativity, the narrative of a career, challenges and limitations in music, things that suck, and things that are amazing. Today my guest is Mishka Shibali, formerly of New York City. Mishka is kind of a badass troubadour. Part author, part recording artist, Mishka has a lot to say and he's not keeping it locked up. He tells me today about his travels, his van, his tribulations, his sobriety, and like most great minds in music, the only thing more surprising than his honest tunes is his wit. Now right now is when we tell you about our sponsor for today, Blumenstein Audio. Check out Blumenstein Audio for the ultimate fidelity single driver speakers and audio accessories for music lovers. Since 2006, Blumenstein Audio has handcrafted their fine line of speakers in Washington State out of bamboo and birch woods. They've received wonderful reviews from publications like Tone Audio, and they have sold speakers to every continent on earth. Get a 10% discount on Blumenstein's fine products just for being a listener of this podcast. Just enter the promo code BD on checkout at BlumensteinAudio.com. That's B-L-U-M-E-N-S-T-E-I-N-A-U-D-I-O.com. All right, now let's talk to Mishka. Fuck self-control. Fuck being reserved. Fuck drinking one beer with dinner after work. Fuck sipping the cure. And fuck the ones that you tasted. I'm not wasting my time when I'm out getting wasted. Well, I once had a dream where I find. Um, actually, I, I just moved away from New York. Oh, you did? I, um, yeah, I, I was in New York for 17 years. I moved there when I was 21 with $300, which is not something I would recommend that anybody do. Yeah. Um, and then this year, my building got sold, and after a long uh, standoff with the new landlord, I finally got the boot at the end of uh. Uh, the end of July. And then I am uh, 
So I'm currently living in a 1993 Toyota minivan, which is parked outside your house. Yes, nice. I like those Previas. Those are cool. Weird engine right in the center console. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And this is my second one. The first one I got uh, 289,000 miles on. Totally. This one's just got 170, so relatively, uh, you know. Oh, you got plenty to go Spring with chicken. My Sienna, my uh, my Sienna out there has three hundred thousand miles on it. I yeah, I yeah. love those yeah. weird soccer mom minivans. Well, they're great for touring in too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I get I get roundly mocked by people, and then uh, and then four years you know four years later, I run into them and say, oh, you know, how many Econo uh, line vans have you been through so far? No joke. Yeah, four. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're less comfortable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I only have a three piece. So we're we're you know. Uh, we had um, one of those Astro vans is like the labels van or whatever. And that thing was horrible. Yeah. But some guys prefer them. Some guys prefer bench seats to, to captain's chairs. What are those guys thinking? I don't know. <laughs> I, when, when you're driving to fucking Texas, yeah, you know, West I, Texas. I like yeah. a, a captain's chair in the back seat that it's, can recline. I and... need to put that in my rider. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no captain's shit. chair. <laughs> Um, and how about air conditioning? That's <laughs> crazy. I have a fucking sunroof, <laughs> but now I'm conflicted because um, I I I don't want to own my tour vehicle anymore. I want to uh -huh. just rent them, but then that's, that's nice that's taking a cut out. Of, you know, a good yeah. manager style cut out of your. The thing is, like with my van now, it it you know how you have your like your tour jeans that you wear for like six weeks without mm -hmm. washing my van's kind of like that it's now it's like just just putting my pants on like <laughs> yeah. i get in there and i'm like oh where's the uh where's the toenail clipper oh yeah it's right over there by the uh by the gear shift you know like what it's it's fairly well lived in uh where did you where did you come up uh where did i grow up yeah like i um i was born in canada but i only lived there until i was eight and i lived in new mexico new hampshire massachusetts uh, Colorado, Virgin Islands, upstate New York. Oh shit! I'm just gonna make sure that where you are military brat. Um, my dad, uh, my dad was a rocket scientist. Uh, Get who, out of town. Yeah, who worked for the government, um, and so we sort of moved around a bunch, following him, you know, through a couple of different jobs, and then I left home when I was 15, and then uh -huh. I just sort of bounced around a lot. I um, I hitchhiked out here to Washington when I was 17 Whoa. from. Uh, Massachusetts, which is another stupid thing that I don't recommend that anybody uh. does. <laughs> My life is full of those. Not a lot of people following that path, though. I don't think you have too much story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like I should be a life coach of just like, <laughs> look at all the stuff that I've done and don't do any of it. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing, though. I, I learned, you know, a, a while ago, the, the one of the only gifts about aging and, uh, you know, looking in the rearview mirror is, but that you can't tell people not to do it because it's and by people. I mean, adolescents, because they're just going to do it. Yeah. They, it almost kind of like reinforces their idea to do it, to try it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, with a, you know, with a two year old, you know, mm -hmm. you say, you know, don't touch the wood stove cause it's hot. Mm -hmm. And in their mind, they're like, well, how hot is it? <laughs> and the only way you can find out how hot it is is to put your hand on it, and, mm -hmm. then, and, then, and then you scream, mm -hmm. you know. And um, yeah, my you know my sister has four kids who I love to death, and I pray to God they turn out nothing like me. But I know that you know some of that. of them might. Some of that's inevitable, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, you know what my mom said to me when I was seventeen, when I was leaving to hitchhike across the country, she was like, "Just don't join the army." And don't die, and and you'll be okay. And she was right. Yeah, you know. I love so. that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a. Oh, so I guess your mom's kind of ultra liberal. 
Well, I think... I don't know about ultra-liberal. At that point, I think it was more like defeatist. Yeah. She was like, I can't control this kid, so I need Mm -hmm. to radically adjust my expectations for him and just sort of like give him the broadest parameters whatsoever of like, don't kill anybody, including yourself. Were you an only child? No, I had two sisters, but um, they were both okay. Were they older or younger? (laughs) I have an older sister and a younger sister. Oh, you're in the middle. Okay. Yeah, the middle is hard to control. I guess. I don't know what it is. I hope to never know what it's like to have uh, to have so many children that one of them is the middle child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I grew up in three, too. I was the youngest, though. Oh, okay. You know, which is... Uh, it's interesting how those dynamics play into our life and personalities as we move forward. And, and they yeah. never really go away. But they're, it's sort of like a, a star sign or whatever. It's like, it says a bit about you, but it doesn't tell the whole story. You can't go by it. Well, it's eerie how that stuff repeats, too. I um, I just finished writing a memoir that's coming out in March, mm. and a lot of it is about my relationship with my father and, mm. and his relationship with his family. And um, when his sister died, they went back and like went through their report cards as kids and found out that she had gotten much better grades than he had ever gotten. And he went on to become a rocket scientist, <laughs> yeah. and she was a farmer's wife. Yeah, And I was like... Man, that's fucking bullshit. That you know, that totally sucks. That's ridiculous. Mm. And then I, I went back and thought about you know my my sister Tatiana and myself, and she always got better grades than I did. Mm. And you know she um she always uh, she always did better in school than I did. Tested higher, and now you know she's a wife and a mom. Mm. And I'm you know I'm a writer and a musician and stuff yeah. like that. And um, it. It fucking bums me out, dude. Where it's like, yeah. wow, we're still reinforcing those gender roles that we've that have sort of been handed down, you know, like generation after generation. Yeah. And like, and also in, I mean, in my case, it's sort of like a, a family illness, uh, you know, that the like boys are encouraged to do stuff, and the, oh. the the women are encouraged to like take care of people. So it was cultural in your family. I didn't, I didn't realize it. Well, I I don't know that it was in my um. It's hard to say. I mean, I was encouraged, you know, I'm, I'm a guy and I was encouraged to do stuff. I don't, I don't really know how it was for my sister, if it was any different for her. Um, it, I just know the outcome, you yeah. know, and, you know, maybe part of that was, you know, was that she is, you know, she was taught to have agency and make her own decisions. And the, de- the decision that she made was, I want to have children and I want to be a mom and stay at home with the kids, you know, but um, there's got some of that too, has got to be, you know, either pressure from my parents, the family, the outside world. Yeah. Um, my middle know. sister did, um, my, I have two older sisters and they, uh, one, you know, they're six and eight years older than me. So that their influence on me was, was pretty strong because, you know, when your sisters are in junior high and high school, when you're in elementary school, you think you're living in a much older world than you are. Yeah. You know, um, I was precocious as fuck, you know? And, and then, uh, um, uh, but my, my two sisters, they went to college. They went. They both went to the University of Washington, graduated in three years. For my sister, uh, who's six years older than me, um, it, it was a big deal for her to go to college because of her learning disabilities and everything. But she overcame those. They both graduated um, at, in three years. Yeah. And my, um, my middle sister actually grand, graduated with... Uh, you know, like the, at the head of her class. Mm-hmm. And then um, my other sister went on to get her master's degree, and she's the one who's totally in the prof- professional world, climbing, climbing, climbing. 
my my sister who overcame so much to go to college and get through college and then did it very well she immediately dropped it all after graduating and became a yoga instructor and now wife uh mother and yoga instructor so she's similarly though but you know she didn't do anything with it with that that you know well and and also that that life is totally valid it's a it's a good life and um i'm i'm 38 and i'm at a, a sort of a weird point in my life where there's a lot of people who made perhaps more responsible decisions than I did when mm. I was younger. And, um, you know, for me, I was just, you know, I remember hearing like, uh, Johnny be good by Chuck Berry mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And I was like, mom, dad, fuck your dreams. This, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. That's my dream. I, I will be this guy, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then, that, and that was it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've just, um, you know, my dad said to me once he was like, you know, what little you have in your life, you own completely because mm. we always tried to tell you what to do and you would never listen to us about mm. anything. You just did whatever you wanted. And like, so, you know, you're, you're a self-made man. What you have is yours, you know? Right. And, um, I know a lot of people who, who made different decisions, you know, that they were like, Oh, I'm going to, I, you know, I want to play music, but I'm going to get a degree in economics. And now they have shitloads of money and they're deeply unhappy. <laughs> Yeah, I have a, I have some of those friends. Yeah, and um, you know, my my sister got her degree in electrical engineering, which mm. I, I think it's awesome for a woman to get her degree in the hard sciences like that. Um, and then she was like, "This is not what I want to do," mm-hmm. and uh, we're allowed to change our minds. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people, um, you know, my 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 editor at Amazon, you know, he's like. Mishka, your writing is doing so well. Like, what the what the fuck are you doing driving around the country in a busted little Toyota minivan, like playing rock shows for you know twenty people? And I was like, Dave, it's what I do. Yeah, that's, that's what you that's enjoy. Who I am. Yeah, you know, like a dog. The only time a dog stops being a dog is when it dies. Yeah. (laughs) Right up until that very moment. Yeah. It's a dog the entire way. And that's how I feel. I just have to like. Is that an entertainer thing for you? I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable with that word. Some people aren't, but I mean, I I feel like I'm 50% songwriter and 50% entertainer. And, and then that's what, 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 where I kind of empathize with you on that level because you know to me it's always going to be about the performance the writing alone isn't enough yeah I um it's funny I was thinking about this today that uh, I'm doing a bunch of shows with Star Anna yeah and I'm totally psyched to hang out with her and one of the things I'm going to bust her about like bust on her about is that she's such an amazing songwriter such an incredible voice yeah and then in between songs she she's in no way is she as funny or insightful as she is in the van mm. and that's what i want that's what i want when i watch her play every night is i want her to be as funny and as insightful in between songs because you're that's the yeah, thing she doesn't is, say anything in between yeah songs. there when really? you're up there there is no dead air it, yeah. you're on the entire time yeah you know so i always try to um you know try to talk to people you know, whether, whether I'm, um, you know, telling stories about where the songs came from or what happened to me that day, or, you know, I, I had a show in Austin where I was like, 
I was tired and I, I was getting sick and sleep, you know, just sleep deprived, exhausted, feeling a little neurotic about, you know, I don't really live anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to do? I'm 38, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I went up there and I just like let it all hang out. You know, I just vented all my anxieties and like cracked some jokes. And I was there with some old friends and like, you know, there were guys I was touring with who I wasn't going to see anymore. And I just like let it all fly. And I was, I, that's probably one of the best shows that I've done this tour. Cool. And it's, it's not because I was feeling good because I did my vocal warm up because mm-hmm. I got a full night's sleep. It's because I was worn down mm. and I, and so I, it was a lot raw, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, with your, your music, where, where did, um, where did it start for you in that adolescent period? Um, Oh man, I mean, uh, a, a big sort of gateway drug for me was Appetite for Destruction. Mm. I was like, this is this is just fucking amazing. Yeah, and, um, and you know, and then there were other like sort of hair metal bands. So I think you know when I was uh, you know twelve and thirteen, I was writing like uh, you know uh, power ballads. Cool. Uh, you know, for girls that I, <laughs> who I liked. Yeah. Thank God there is no recording of any of that uh-huh. shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think about kids now who are like. 12 and 13 putting songs on YouTube that they've written. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad we didn't have that technology. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff that just should be lost to the ages. Um, But then the, um, you know, the earliest songs that I wrote that, you know, I have a song that I wrote when I was 20 that I still, um, you know, 1920 that I still get requests for that people still want me to, you know, play for them. And it's, um, you know, in that instance, I was just, um, I was drinking a lot and mm. my life was pretty dark and I was trying to write a song to comfort myself, you know? This isn't like fuck self-control or whatever. That's too new for that. No, that was, that was much later. Yeah. I, uh, That's one of the ones I'm going to mix into this. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I can tell you the story behind that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, my earliest songs, it was just, um, I was just trying to comfort myself and just, you know, be like, um... You know, when you record something, you sort of other yourself. There's another mm. version of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of the things I found with drinking, too, is that, you know, um, a friend of mine, great songwriter, Jason Frederick, has a line in a song where he says, uh, I got to keep myself a little company sometimes. And that's how I felt about drinking is that, I, like, when I was drinking, I wasn't alone. It's like there were two of me. Um, and that, that was, you know, it was the same way when I, you know, when I wrote songs and recorded it and then listened back to it. It's like I could sort of sing myself to sleep or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. My associate association with booze, which I don't consider myself to have an issue with, but I am a drinker is that I'm, I'm, uh, relaxing that busy writer's mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I I know a lot of people who are sober, who are really anti-alcohol and I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I compare it to uh, to peanut butter. You know, for some people, it's food. For other people, it's Crack. poison. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, it's poison. <laughs> okay, I uh, yeah. I uh, I fall into the latter category. Oh, you know, I'm I, totally I with you. I can't, I can't deal. I, I can't yeah. do it. But I have a lot of friends who have like two drinks a night or three drinks a night. Yeah, or or get righteously blitzed twice a year, and like, <laughs> yeah. and I and I support that. You know, sure. I mean, I, I'm big on personal responsibility, and you make your own choices, and. Uh, I had a really like good tense conversation with an old friend where he was like, "Fuck you! You have willpower. You could have just 
three drinks and call it a night. If somebody like put a gun to your head, you could do that. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to live with a gun to my head. It's so much easier yeah. for me to just say, I am i don't drink at all. I'm not going to drink again. And then I can like live my life. It's that, know? it's that. And, and I've been in analysis for like a couple of years. So mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the, the psychology behind these ways of thinking. But um, uh, I am that kind of uh, uh, two, three a night kind of guy. But I, I can, I can be more than that too. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think it's actually a similar characteristic in artists that mm-hmm. there's a bit of an all or nothing mentality. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and that and I can hear that in your music and in your lyric writing and and and, and actually out of fuck's uh, self-control not to just harp <laughs> on the same song, but one of the things I love in that song is when you're telling the uh bartender to lay off the ice if you wanted something cold you'd rip into his chair, you'd reach into his chest. <laughs> I was like that first of all brilliant brilliant song, uh lyric writing there, but um and <laughs> imagery. But um but also, that's, it seems to fit an all-or-nothing mentality. So it makes sense that al- with alcohol, uh, which obviously there's a chemical thing going on, like you said, with you and alcohol, that, that is why you're staying away from it. But like you, it's still that all-or-nothing thing, too. So if you're going to drink, then you're just going to go all out. And if you're going to uh, quit, you're just going to go all out. Like, yeah, none. I... Um, what? The price of admission for society to mm-hmm. like to live in civilization um, is restraint. Mm. You'll never be too happy dancing down the street, singing, and you know, you'll never be too angry, screaming. You'll never be like crying in public. These are all things that make us cringe that we're like, oh no, you can't do that. You know, like when's the last time that you hit somebody as hard as you could? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, we're fucking animals. You know, I mean, we're animals with iPhones, but right. we're still animals and <clears throat> you still have that impulse in your, you know, in, in your brain. And, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, when I get done with this tour, I'm going to go out running and I'm going to, I'm going to run until I can't fucking run another step. Really? And then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to crawl home. You've been dreaming about that? Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to do it. I can't wait to just expend everything, you know, you know, in the same way that like, you know, I, I box and I love Mm -hmm. boxing because that's what, you know, for me to, to get, to get angry about something, whether it's a, an old enemy or my fucking tax return or something like that to go in yoga, you know, and I'm going to just let the, the bad thoughts dispel. Like that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I need to, I need to go right into it and actually feel the thing, feel the anger, hit the bag or hit my sparring partner or whatever, get the shit out. Mm. And then, then I'm okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's the great thing about like the recording studio and music and stuff like that. You know I mean? When I was on stage last night, I was like, you know, fucking howling at the top of my lungs about a girl who left me when I was 19, you know? And so I'm able to, you know, and then I wake up tomorrow, you know, wake up this morning and feel pretty okay about things mm. because I got to, you know, scream and cry about it last night mm. on stage. Yeah. That's your therapy. I, and I, and I think it's, a wonderful therapy you know i think music is a wonderful therapy and i it, Sing, singing is so magical dude mm. even doing like fucking karaoke or something like that oh, just yeah. just the act of like going out and singing it's it's transformative mm. it re, and it, it and it's reliably transformative it always works for me 
You know, I could, you could put me up there like singing a fucking Madonna song and I would feel an emotion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I don't feel many emotions these days, but singing always does it to me. I had an interesting experience with that just a couple days ago when I was in LA recording with uh, Celine Mm -hmm. from Prom Queen. And, you know, her and I had written the song and as a duet and we had, uh, you know, we had our line, we had written our lines and everything, and then we sent the music to um, the producer, and the producer would, you know, uh, rearrange the music to be an electronic version of what we wrote, mm-hmm. which was actually the whole idea of the project. Um, so that was cool. So now we're playing on a track that we wrote, but yet it feels like someone else's track. And so then I had this experience of singing uh, as if I was acting, even though these were you know, our lyrics, mm-hmm. they felt like they were on the page, like they were prescribed to us. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't feel like, like I do with my own music where it, it feels very personal to a, a thing that had happened. Uh, and so then I'm acting. I felt like singing, but I could, I could have sung that song all day. And technically we did when we recorded all day, but uh, I loved it. And I, and and I, like you were just mentioning, there was a um, there was an emotion that I could get into, where and this is where it felt like acting that I I had the I had to get into the emotion of the of the lyrics, mm-hmm. which I've never really had to do before because the song was so personal to me already. It was just doing in that to me. Yeah. This time I was actually having to channel it, and but you know when the whole thing was done. That it was a first time experience out of twenty years of being a musician, and a first uh, time enjoying it, just like you said for singing. It's you know there's the old line about um, give a man a mask and he'll tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's one of the things that um, uh, I I became friends with the writer Elise Blackwell, who just published a novel, uh, The Lower Quarter, about New Orleans. And oh, cool. Um, it's a great book, but there, you know, it's like sort of art theft and restoration and, um, recovery and redemption and, and, uh, some fucking weird sex. Mm. And, uh, I write, you know, I write all nonfiction stuff. I mean, all the songs I've written are, they're all embarrassing true stories mm. and all my, you know, all my writing through Amazon and then, and the memoir that's coming out, it's all, you know, nonfiction, um, and I write about fucking pissing the bed and throwing up on myself and just, mm. you know, terrible things that I've done in my life. But I don't think that I could write fiction because I feel like that would be too revealing. <laughs> That's like, amazing. I don't mind people knowing what I've done or what I'm doing, but I don't want them to know what I'm thinking in yeah. my like in my my imagine or you know my imaginative life. Yeah, you know. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I mentioned something like that to Elise and she was like, you're crazy. You know, this is fiction. It's made up. You know, there's nothing that's, you know, there's, or there's much less at stake. I'm revealing much less of myself. And, you know, I could never do what you do of the mm. nonfiction stuff. And I was like, are, are you kidding? You know, so there's yeah. an interesting divide, you know, and I, I would say it's similar between, you know, with like, uh, you know, performing cover songs and then performing your own original stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, I do a couple, started doing a couple of covers and I like I get fucking torn up during you know singing songs that aren't mine, almost more than I feel my own songs. That's so, wild. Yeah, that's wild. I'm the opposite. Yeah, it's it's there's a weird thing that goes. 
back and forth, you know, um, I, I've, you know, I found in my writing that like, um, you know, fiction really speaks to nonfiction and that the membrane between the two of them is a lot more porous than we imagine. Mm -hmm. And also that, um, you know, we draw hard lines between, you know, this is my song, this is a song that I wrote, or this is a cover song, or this is a joint composition. But I think those lines are a lot more porous than we think they are too. They do like the longer you do music, the more bullshit you realize that is. You know, but at the same time, the reason I don't really play covers is because I'm not feeling it. And I used to think that that might be ego, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, but I don't think it's ego. I just think that it's just as an entertainer, the type of entertainer I am, because there's a lot of different types of entertainers, but the type of entertainer I am is like, I'm kind of the little boy, you know, who picked the, the dandelions and brought them home to mom you know just to cheer her up uh -huh. and 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 that's what i'm doing with the audience is like th these might be dandelions that smell like shit but they're flowers and so i thought you it would make you smile right you know right. so I'm, I'm really just trying to like give something to the audience and, and when i play a cover is i'm still doing that but it, it, it it's not the same you know i i you know I was never big on doing covers because I'm not a great musician and I'm not a great singer. And mm -hmm. I, I always felt like the only thing that I had had to offer was But I think my, that is why you're a great musician and a great uh, singer. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, um, I felt that the only thing that I had to offer people was like my honesty and my willingness to talk about things that other people didn't want to talk about. Mm. And, um, you know, but now, I, you know, Playing with Star, playing with Michael Dean Dameron, you know, both of whom, you know, sort of have covers in in their lineup um, fairly regularly. Not that they're like, you know, top 40 bands or top 40 covers, but um, songs that they inhabit as if they were their own. Yeah. That made me sort of loosen up a little bit and say, oh, well, let me, you know, let me give this a shot. And, um, you know, I... I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun with it. And, and it's also, it's made me realize too, how much coming from a community of songwriters, uh, I've stolen lines from my friends. They've stolen lines from me. We, we quote Melodies. each other's songs mm. in, you know, in our songs. And, and there's a, sort of a conversation back and forth, you know, or, um, uh, you know, uh, talk, you know, my friend Jason Frederick, I'm like, oh man, that song that you wrote, like I absolutely, you know, adored it. And he's like, what song are you talking about? And I have to sing it to him because he's like, oh man, I totally forgot that one. I, yeah. you know, it meant yeah. nothing to him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, that's my song. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, I've had that experience with uh, both being an artist and with my artist friends, more importantly, where I'm bringing up, it actually happened in one of these conversations too, or I'm bringing up some song of theirs that just killed me, and and they're like, oh yeah, no, I don't do that one anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, right. oh yeah, I wrote that in twenty minutes. No big deal. Throw away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, that's uh, that's, I think the pers I think that's the kind of thing that people can imagine us as songwriters who aren't songwriters. Uh, that's one of the benefits that people think of when they think of a songwriter they they think that we're living a life like that like you just described with your writer friends and yeah. it's not always the case i'm not i'm not 
<laughs> I guess through the show, I'm becoming more of a, you know, a, a music community guy. Mm-hmm. But I never really have been before. It's sort of been like just no, I'm on my own tour. I'm on my own boat. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm it, enjoying the camaraderie. It's funny, man. I mean, I um, I feel like one of the most prevalent tropes in the creative community is that we're all alone that mm-hmm. we're, and that mm-hmm. we're outsiders. Yeah. You know, um, I played in a band called beat the devil with, um, a girl named Shilpa Ray and she was, um, first generation Indian immigrant, uh, from New Jersey and, mm-hmm. you know, suffered some pretty hideous, you know, racist incidents at school when she was a kid and was just, you know, severely alienated. And she felt like a real outsider mm-hmm. and she and I bonded because I felt like, a real outsider, yeah. you know, from being a kid. And I had a lot of experiences where I was sort of alienated and isolated. And, um, you know, so we sort of built this band together and then we went on tour and like, we'd be in Ohio and some, and after like a show, you know, some, some drunk dude with like the backwards, like white baseball cap with his shirt off, like huge muscles, like drinking a natural light would be like, bro, I love your band, man, because it's about like not fitting in. And like, I never fit in, man. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I know a million guys like you. You run mm-hmm. in packs, you mm-hmm. know, like, but, um, but I think we all imagine ourselves to be totally alone. But yeah. then, but if you, but then if you, if you're able to get a little perspective on your life, you see, oh no, there's like, there's, that's one of the things I've noticed from being on tour as much as I am is like, man, I'm connected to a lot of people. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's really good. And sometimes it's re- it's, it's bad. Yeah. There, it has its moments where it's, uh, I don't really want to. You feel the weight of it, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, the yeah, the you know, I always, I always tell people or just remind people that it's uh, you know, never hesitate to tell an artist that they're great. Yeah, you know, never, never yeah. hesitate to and take the compliment fucking compliment them. when people. If somebody tells you you're great, exactly. just say thank you for two reasons because it's good for them to have the courage to tell you that. Mm-hmm. And the second reason is if it makes you incredibly comf- uncomfortable to get a compliment, the fastest way to move on the conversation is just to say, thank you. Yeah. If you, if you protest that you <laughs> suck, they'll keep going, telling that's you how true. great you are. You'll just get more and more uncomfortable. Just that's say, totally thank true. you. And then, Hey, look over there, a bird. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can move the conversation on. Uh, or the, the, um, but you know, that, that's the weight of, of touring too, is that, or playing shows is that um, you might not be in the mood to entertain that. Oh, yeah. I will to entertain anyone, you know. Uh, the one, one, one of the bummers, too, I don't know about your voice and how you treat it, but, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> you have a lot, of, uh, a lot of natural projection in your uh, style. I have these two different things I do. I have my low... And I have my just screaming, arcing highs. Mm-hmm. And and that's just a range that was kind of uh, evolutionary for me. And it just happened organically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had this big show and I had to protect my voice. Everybody I know and love practically was there. Yep. And I sh- felt the need to be there to re- receive them. And yet at the same time... I eventually had to say, look, this bar room conversation that we're having in the bar connected to the venue yeah. is is killing my voice. Yeah. And I'm headlining tonight, so that means yeah, got to go. 
yeah, you know yeah you have a job to do and so i went backstage and you know the other thing is i, I maybe you get this because you're you're a gregarious guy too but like <laughs> being quiet bums me out in social settings so the only time i'm quiet is if i'm already bummed out and what i found when i have to go backstage and be quiet yeah it bums me out because i feel because that's normally only what i do when i'm sad <laughs> yeah we um my old band fresh kills we did a tour and our singer zach was always losing his voice so we just sort of like made him shut up when he wasn't singing so hard yeah. and it sucked because it's like we lost our our greatest funniest friend on that tour <laughs> and everybody we met was like your singer's kind of a dick and we were like no he's not well actually he is a dick but he's <laughs> an outspoken dick he's not a silent <laughs> dick yeah, he's yeah. like and uh Dude, the last tour that I did, I did uh, 37 shows in 39 days. I did Shit. five podcasts. I did two interviews. Shit. And by the end, my voice was just ruined. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that's what I do. That's mm -hmm. who I am, you know? And um, I, you know, I made it through every one of the, you know, it's not like, Oh, you know, it's not like there were reviews, you know, like, oh, you know, Mishka Shabali really couldn't hit the high notes last night. You know, I'm going <laughs> to give an, an A minus for that. <laughs> like, thank God. Oh, man, my, my voice is the equivalent of my van, you know, like mm -hmm. four cylinder that like just chugs along, you know, it gets like, the job done. Yeah. 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 It's, it's impossible to kill. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hard to kill. Uh, who does your, who does your booking? Uh, you're looking at him. Oh, shit. Yeah, so uh, so that so that takes the, um, the the impressiveness of that tour uh, to a whole nother level. Well, yes and no. I mean, that tour that was you know it was part it, you know I did some dates with Star, so she mm -hmm. helped a little bit. Uh, Alex Steininger from my old record label, he helped some of it. I did some of it. I actually it. know Alex. Um, Alex, great yeah. guy, and um, from when I lived in Portland, and. Uh, and then part of it was uh, JT Habersat from the Altercation Punk Comedy Tour. He mm. booked a bunch of stuff. But then also, I mean, uh, everybody hate, loves to hate on social media. But, mm. like, there were times where I was like, uh, I don't have a show on Monday night. And somebody mm. would be like, come play my house. I'll give you 60 bucks. I'm like, done. You know? And uh, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have a weird house show where I don't make a lot of money than a mm. night off. You do, know? You, do you have... Uh... Have you had inter uh, interactions, altercations with uh, people on Twitter? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, people are always like trying to wind me up, and um, and that's fine. I'm just like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> I, totally. I don't. I don't, I don't have any problem with telling people off in real life or mm. on the internet. Um, but uh, but also, I mean, it's kind of like all part of the shtick, you know. Mm. Like, um, you know, people know that I'm a kind of abrasive former drunk mm. and um this is what i what i always get is i get people trying to wind me up publicly like you know giving me shit about something or uh taunting me about something and that's fine i can give back as you know um and but then they'll private message me to be like hey that song you wrote really touched me i'm like dude why are you not saying this nice thing in the in the public sphere and then save the direct personal attacks for privately. Yeah, <laughs> that's so bizarre. I, I I don't I don't have the mental uh time you know time. Mm -hmm. Not just I don't have the time. My brain doesn't have the time to get on the internet and tell you 
you know, how much you suck. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to, and, and, and I don't understand the people that do. Well, that's what I think about the, if somebody, if somebody has two hours and they hate me enough that they're going to sit down and write some like 500 word blog entry about how much I suck and how much they hate me. That's happened. Um, yeah, I've, I've, dude, read some of my one star reviews on Amazon. People, people have been incredibly vicious there. I don't read those. And, uh, anyone is yeah, part yeah. of it. Yeah. And, um, but I just think I, I try and put myself in their shoes, you know, and like what would have to happen in order for me to devote time to writing a negative review of somebody? Oh, I totally, you know, like I, I don't care that much yeah, I don't, yeah i'm not at a point in my life where i i have enough energy to engage that a sustained level of negativity you know in order to man i don't have the energy to fight parking tickets anymore i'm like ah it's fucking 35 bucks fuck you all right and just send it away i just i just don't care you know but if they're that if their life is that small that constricted that petty if it makes them feel better to try and take me down a bit like fucking power to you man i don't care well it's sort of like uh very similar to to um what happens on the freeway you know or what happens on the roads i mean i'm always really um humored by i'm i'm not humored by the crazy driver who wants to kill you you know by by cutting in front of you and slamming on the brakes that i'm angered by but i'm not angered by the guy who uh, flips you off and tails you and all that stuff all and yell yells at you from their car yeah, yeah. Like, and i'm always like you know that i can't hear you right i just i see you screaming and i see your mouth moving but i you know that i can't hear a single thing you're yeah. saying right and, it, and, and yeah only you're only you're hearing that and, yeah, yeah. and you're humoring me like and i'll, I'll let them <laughs> yeah. i'll let them see me laughing yeah, yeah because yeah. it always happens when i didn't intend to fuck them over they're just perceiving it that way and then you know but so i think that that their anger and everything is kind of humorous because it's the same kind of thing where like i'm in such a different place mm-hmm. mentally than they are and say one's better than the other or whatever but just mentally on the road i'm in a totally different place than they are and so when they're getting angry enough to like show me it mm-hmm. i'm like how how much control do you not have in your life that you have to express it out here on this thing this road where we're all swimming like fucking sperm to our destination yeah yeah. you know like it's erratic that's by nature it's gonna be that way but how small does your your comfort level with yourself have to be that you're gonna just gonna go off on it what's what's been kind of stunning to me is that you know with this record i um you know, I talk about some of the darkest, weakest points of my life. Mm. There's definitely some fucking backward sexual politics, revenge fantasies against old girlfriends. I let it all hang out. Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's ugly. And there's there's lots of stuff there to criticize or, you know, or to mock. Um, mm. And the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think it's because people see that I'm comfortable with my weakness, man. Mm. I know that I'm a flawed person. I know it's not a perfect record. I know they're not perfect songs. I know that I wasn't perfect then. And though I've gotten sober and done a lot of work and stuff like that, that I'm not perfect now. I'm okay with being like a weak, flawed human being. I try to be more more good than bad. It's an uphill battle every day. You know, I, I, you know, 
I know I need the apple or the banana and I want the gummy bears, you know, (laughs) but that's, that's life. That's humanity. Mm. That's life, you know? Mm. And, um, so I think some, you know, some of those, um, the, the, like, you know, or like real smug, you know, bloggers or like, um, the people not doing what they would like to do with their life. Yeah. In other words. Yeah. That, that they, they feel less inclined to try and take me down a notch. Oh, interesting. Um, It's, in my writing, it's different. Mm. In my writing, I think people perceive me as being somebody who, who leads like, you know, a glamorous life or something like that. Mm. And I get lots of hate um, as a writer. For but, being brash? Um, no, for... Um, that, maybe my, that maybe my problems don't... Um, the, the issues that I write about don't merit the attention that I give to them. Mm. Um, the fuck and but <laughs> that's weird. That's a problem in itself, man. If you're like, oh man, I can't get my my pinky toe to to pop, and it I, it needs to pop, and it's driving me nuts. That's a fucking problem because I, why can't you let go of that in your head? Yeah, and that's a very modern problem. Like I don't have any problems except this tiny little thing, and it's fucking driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, I think that shit's interesting. And like you know, my most of my writing costs a dollar ninety nine. Like. If you bought it and like you hated it, you're out less than two dollars, man. Yeah, it's it, you know I'm not even going to apologize. And you, if you have the time to 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 fall into uh, a a book, you know, then you should have the the mind and awareness enough to put it down when you don't like it, not read yeah. the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Like what's yeah. wrong with you if you're reading something that you don't like? Or if you're listening to this podcast and you don't like the way I do it, stop. Change the channel. Do something else, <laughs> please. Going on. Help yeah. yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Mark Marin actually just said that in a in a, his podcast. I forget whether it was, oh, I think it was probably because of the Keith Richards one that he just did. You know, yeah. which was like, finally, that was so cool. But uh, he said... Uh, to, in today's podcast at the one after it you know all these people writing me on the internet it's like if if you don't like the questions that i asked if i didn't touch on the ones that you wanted to hear then go get your own show <laughs> yeah. you can ask them go ask the artist yourself you know yeah yeah write them a letter or whatever yeah. you know it's just like i that's so funny, but to, to get that on your writing is so surprising. That's the first thing I think of. Why why would somebody read all of it? Yeah, you know? but also, you know, it. I have to check myself from time to time, you know, when I get criticism on my music or my writing, which is, thank fucking God that it's out there enough that people... Oh, being that people yes, that people feel the need to criticize it, that people perceive that it's important enough really that it's true. deserving criticism. That's because true. how long have you and I and a million other songwriters labored away in anonymity where mm-hmm. you're working at the fucking 7-Eleven mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm, I'm a songwriter. I have something to say. I'm a singer. I'm a guitar player. It, it'll be a dollar forty nine for your burrito, sir. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Those guys, you know, those 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 people, those men and women, they're still in the trenches and, right. and that's where my heart is, is with them, you know? Mm. So when, uh, you know, when people tear me down, I, I just got, I got to be like, all right, fuck it. You know, I don't, yeah, I, I can't, I, I can't care. 
I've had, a, I've had the, the, the friends that I've had that have had the most recognition, uh, come, come around to that. I think that that's a, a thing that must happen with, um, you know, with success is that you just have to be, but how do you feel like, has it changed your, your attitude, um, towards stuff you don't like, like, has it made you go like a little smarter about not liking something, you know, not really kind of caring too much about it? Well, on the one hand, I feel like finding success as a writer hasn't changed me. Mm. Um, you know, I, my friend Zach, you know, we've been friends since we were 15. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said to me one day, he was like, Mishka, I have to tell you that, like, you know, all the success you've had as a writer, it really, it hasn't changed you at all. And mm. I was like, well, you know, thank you. And he was like, no, seriously, buy some new t-shirts because every, <laughs> every fucking t-shirt you have, I've been looking at for like the last 15 years. Like, would it kill you to fucking update your wardrobe? <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know, and then well, your press photos, you're like quite nicely dressed. Yeah, I, um, every once in a while, you know, I have to get scrubbed up for a photo shoot Mm. or something like that. But then, um, you know, and then like whenever I would go to visit my family, I go in thinking and feeling like I'm unchanged. Like Mm. my, I haven't been reading my positive press and it hasn't changed me. And I go there and I'm, you know, like I'm here to help, you know, like Mm. anything that I can do to like help the family, like I'm happy to do it or whatever, you know? And my sister's like, uh, awesome. Will you go out in the yard and pick up the dog shit? Mm-hmm. And and I just cringe because I'm like, but I'm an artist. These hands, these magical hands. I, and I'm like, no, that's what she fucking needs me to do. Yeah. That's what needs to be done. Mm. It's my family. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like my fucking how many stars, you know, my uh, uh, my review for my latest thing does. Like they want me to do my dishes, mm-hmm. you know, and that's... Um, that's the, that's the great thing about old friends and family yeah. is that um, when you, if you're lucky enough to experience any kind of success, those are the people who will be like, you're just, you're just a dude. Treat you like you're you. just a person. Yeah, yeah. There was that thing where when Kurt Cobain and Nirvana did Unplugged, mm-hmm. I forget what book it was. This was then that I read, but anyway, I, apparently he got off, uh, stage that night and got in his um car with his friend and uh and he's like do do you think people even liked it i mean the infamous now performance that and uh she's like kurt they think you're jesus christ (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's uh it's so funny and it kind of goes back to to what you're saying about us feeling like outsiders and i think it's especially true of of uh songwriters like a common thread mm-hmm. you know that we just feel like outsiders and that you know and i kind of thank those fuckers in middle school for for it because that i i don't know that i would have had the resolve and dedication without I, that horrible treatment yeah yeah um yeah, shout out to all the bullies out there. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we got some good songs out yeah. of it. And you're doing really interesting stuff too. We've seen, by the way. That's yeah, the beauty of you. social media. Thanks. Yeah. Good to see you. I um I was hanging out with uh, Doug Stanhope at his like compound mm-hmm. in uh, in Arizona and uh you know, we were talking late at night when everybody's, you know, t- 
you know, where you tell each other the big horrible truths. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, he was like, Mishka, your whole, like the self deprecation thing, like it doesn't sell. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't, you know, to a, to an audience member, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you're like tall, good looking guy. Like your life's good now. Like, mm. you know, why, why do you get up there and like fucking talk about how you, how worthless you are? Mm. And, um, and I was like, well, cause that's how I feel. And that's, mm. that's the problem is that there's a huge chasm between the way the world perceives me and the way that I perceive myself. And each day you try and bridge that gap and you try and bring those two things into try and get them closer and closer together. But, uh, mm. you know, at the end of the day, like we're never able to make others see us the way we see ourselves, or, or, or see ourselves the way others see us. You right. Know? And, you know, so I was like, Oh fuck you, Doug, you know, and the conversation moved on. <laughs> and then, you know, 40 minutes later we were talking about, you know, his, um, you know, his status as a comic and, mm. you know, the way that he's sort of, um, you know, he's cherished, not just by fans of comedy and people who listen to his podcast and want to see him live, but other comedians, mm. you know, really, he's a, he's a comedian's comedian. Right. And he was saying like, Oh, you know, in the, in the comedy world, I'm just, you know, I'm just a minnow in a vast ocean. And I was like, Doug, this self-deprecation <laughs> shit just doesn't sell, you know? Good. And that's the thing. That's the fucking human condition, Good. you know? Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're all like, oh, did they even like it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that, you can put those words on, like, anybody's tombstone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, And I don't I don't know if it, if, if I'm, if I'm getting this wrong, but, like, when I meet somebody who is, does have a self-importaning bent, to them you know like i'm i kind of feel like i'm sorry i'm the wrong guy to give that to you so i was doing this i won't uh, be too specific to not hurt some friends feelings but like i was doing this event and um i was just there as like the featured musician and um and i'm meeting some executives some very powerful people who act very powerful uh-huh. That's so obnoxious. And I'm not giving you... I Like, I'm not... You, you can do that. You can play that role. I'm not going to knock you down publicly for it. Yeah. But um, when you look at me like I'm supposed to be intimidated, don't be surprised if I'm not. <laughs> you know? That's the correct response. Because you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I see just the human in them. Yeah, it's... It, you you got to treat everybody the same. You know, mm-hmm. and the, the way that you can... Um, the way that you can tell like the real legends, you know, whether they be, you know, writers or musicians or whomever mm-hmm. is, um, they act like they're not, you know, I mean, there's a great story about Keith Richards, you know, that he was, you know, a, a friend of a friend was like at a party at his house and a table was like wobbly and somebody was like, Oh, you know, we'll get somebody to come and fix it. No, I, he was like, no, I know how to fix it. And he fucking turned the table upside down and he fixed the leg and fucking that was that, you yeah. know? And like, he wasn't like, you know, Butler. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, and that's, and that's why Keith Richards is one of the greats is because he was, you know, he was just like, Oh, here's a thing that needs fixing. I know how to fix it and I'll fix it, you know? Well, it's like we're in the service industry. I mean, I really kind of we are. believe that we, we are. absolutely are. Yeah, yeah, so don't be surprised when we'll take care of... We'll, 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 like the, the guy working in the kitchen, yeah. you know, we'll take care of our own shit. Well, that's the thing, too, is that, like, um, 
I had an epiphany where I was like, you know, somebody was, a, you know, a drunk fan was, you know, oh man, you're so great, blah, blah, blah. And it was making me really uncomfortable and I couldn't figure out why I was, un- why I was feeling so uncomfortable. And I realized that like at any show, what's important is not the, it's not the people on stage, mm. it's the fans, you know, because without the fans, we're, we're nothing, man. And like fans have their pick of any number of artists. Yeah. And then fans also have lives of their own. Yeah. They have a job. They have a family. They have a career. They have things. And we're the, we're the needy ones. I know. Like, I know. On, You're so on right. stage, yeah. you know, being like, you know, please listen to me. Look, I'm <laughs> shredding. Look, Ma, I'm shredding. <laughs> Uh, I, that, I've, I've talked about this before, but that shredding word it, it k- kills me because there are people who uh, perceive uh, some of my guitar playing, not all of it, but they perceive it as, uh, you know, me shredding or attempting to shred or whatever. It's been in reviews and they, they, they didn't, they weren't uh, negative about it, thankfully. Uh, somebody will probably be now, but um, I'm not trying to, I'm, I, at least with guitar played, like I'm, I'm not trying to solo so you're impressed. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to put that element into the song and make it exciting. I'm trying to excite you. I'm not trying to go. Well, also, I mean, for somebody to for somebody to like rip you up for that, that's in bad faith. Like, you know, what a terrible artist putting their all into what they make. Yeah, like why would you expend effort trying to please us? You know, shame on you. Yeah. And, I, I I get the opposite. People are like, you know, um, you know, you're you're not a you're not a songwriter. You only know fucking three chords, or like, you know, you barely even know how to play. I'm like, yeah, I barely you've gotten. You've heard I, this. I yell yeah, all the time. I'm Jesus. like, yeah, I barely even know how to play. But with those three chords, I spin you a fucking universe. Yeah, man. yeah. I'll tell you a story. That's you'll le- you'll learn it. something. You'll laugh. You'll feel sad. You'll feel something. I can do that with three chords. What can you do? And with your and with your style of singing and everything, you know you're humble about it, which is great. But it's uh, you know to me it, it is it's character. It's it, it you are in the right character for you. I, you I have to tell you a good story. I um, when I was like 24 or 25, I was working for uh, Robert Criscow, mm-hmm. you know, the dean of rock criticism. Um, and uh, yeah, a writer who I absolutely respect and, you know, respected before and, and absolutely respect now. And and I gave him, uh, you know, one of my demos or something like that because I really, you know, wanted desperately for him to like it and for him to put, you know, his stamp of approval on it. Ooh. And uh, finally, after like three weeks of him not saying anything, I was like, so, uh, you know, Bob, um, you know, do you have a chance to listen to the thing that I gave you, you know? Mm-hmm. And he turned to me and he said, Mishka you can't sing at all. <laughs> like uh-huh. you can't sing full stop new sentence at all. <laughs> full stop. <laughs> and, uh, and man, that fucking hurt. And, and also you have that little perspective in the rock and roll that because somebody can't sing, they can't make rock and roll. You ever hear about a guy named Bob Dylan, Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the rock and roll canon is full of people who can't sing. Yeah. You know, um, you know, who have, you know, famous, you know, 
um, unconventional voices or famously bad voices or whatever. Yeah. And um, I don't give a fuck, man. Yeah, I, with I you, I didn't. I, I, I thought it was like just as much intentional as it was, you know, coming from what you have, you know, gifted to you naturally, you know. Sadly, uh, that the, there's no craft involved there. Well, that's there just is, what I sound there like. There is when it's you like say a, fuck it, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, that's. Um, I was, I'm, I was just like at a certain point, I made a decision where I was like, I'm just gonna stand up here naked, warts and all. And like, don't try and fucking prettify my voice. It is what it is. And like, either you like it and you get it or you don't, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to pander to somebody. I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. And well, you, like, you do something mm-hmm. that you do something with your style that I just want to kind of I, I go far out with a comparison. Uh, but as a compliment and just a kind of artist to artist way is that uh, Elliot Smith sung beautifully but elliot smith pulled that off by singing he sang like somebody who can't sing i've heard Mm -hmm. so many come like since i was a teenager i've heard so many young men sing like elliot smith before they knew who he was before he was famous yeah they sung like him because they couldn't sing Mm -hmm. you know so that was their when a weak attempt at singing sounded like elliot smith style but he did it and he made it beautiful and it worked. It fit the character of him. It right. fit the character of what he was doing. That's to me exactly how I felt when I heard your singing. It was like he's you've committed to that to the character of your material, of what mm-hmm. you're writing. It's mm-hmm. not a character that, you know, like a cartoon. It's a character like a man singing a song that says, you know, s- strong things and if you don't get that, that what's beautiful about it is the way that you're managing that is then, then don't listen to it. You don't get it, but it, it was evident to me. Well, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. I, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's unadorned mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of times I think that, um, a lot of a lot of music we hear on the radio just sounds like advertising, mm. where there's a lot of, um, you know, sort of uh, you know flashy effects and stuff like that. Mm. But they're trying to conceal the message, um, and not instead of express the message, mm. you know, and the like, you know, for you know for shampoo or something, you know, <laughs> like the. What, what there are guys that do that. There are right. guys that write those songs for those commercials. What the message, you know, you know, purports, you know, what they're trying to, you know, what they, their official message is, you know, um, you know, this shampoo will, you know, set you free and like make you happier and make, you know, make you a more fulfilled person. Mm. And, but the real message is, uh, you're fat and you're dirty <laughs> and you're unclean. Wash your and butt. And you need this shampoo. <laughs> Because to scrub off what you can't scrub off, and to scrub off you, and yeah, how gross yeah, you are. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to escape your the vile human that you are, and um, I I, I want to say the ugly thing. Mm. Like let's just let's just address it directly. Mm-hmm. You know that like, you know, our time on Earth is short and mostly wasted. Mm. We spend most of our time, you know, like doing our laundry I know we're waiting in line and it sucks and it's not fair you know and like I want to talk about that I don't want to 
you know, I don't want to sing about, you know, fucking daffodils and running through the field and stuff like that when that's, you know, that's the shampoo commercial. It's, it's bullshit. That's beautiful. I guess that's maybe why I get what you're saying, you know, in your music. Because it, you know, I do enjoy um, my wasted time and the wasted parts of my life. I mean, I really fucking actually do. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, um in uh, the whole Back to the Future trilogy mm-hmm. was on TV in the Motel 6 the other night mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I was that happy <laughs> so I just laid there and I was like oh just let it wash over me I was like oh this is today is an irreplaceable day like no other and I, I feel so good about wasting it in this fashion like yes. great Scott <laughs> Oh, that, that's Torian for you. Well, thank you for coming here, and thank you for uh, having the humility to do my show and come talk no, to No, this has been awesome. This yeah. has been a great conversation. No, thanks a lot for having me, man. This yeah. is no modern romance Cause I'm going home in a fucking ambulance Well, am I the only one drinking to tell you that you can find Mishka Shubali's music um, in the description section of this podcast, uh, as well as on our Twitter page, which has the handle at right behind us, spelled with a W. Go support and make music profitable again, so you can hear more from these artists. It takes money. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe on your podcast app. We have much more coming soon. That's it. And ciao for now.